Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. I am your host, Al the Brewer, and I am so glad you are listening today. This podcast is for anyone that wants to learn more about craft beer and the culture that surrounds it. Whether you're brand new to the scene or a vet of craft beer, I hope you find something to take away from this podcast. So, pour yourself a beer, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy. Cheers. Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast, now vlog as well. Hello everybody listening on the podcast and watching on YouTube. Thank you so much for tuning in. How in the world are you doing? Oh my goodness, this is a fun one. So if you've listened to the podcast before, uh, you know that this is really an educational podcast. I love talking to people about beer. I love to teach people um, about beer. It's just, uh, I was a former educator, so teaching just kind of in my blood. And uh, this one is no different. So here's what we got. I've got my buddy Russ. And Russ, um, we've known each other since high school. And he has been in and out of craft beer. And so this was his first real, um, he's been really getting into beer recently. And so this is the interview from that. So he had a ton of questions lined up. I was like, dude, uh, let me shoot from the hip on most of them. I did look up a little bit about the uh, Reinheitsgebot. Um, my anybody listening to this in Germany just looked at me like, "What are you talking about, Reinheitsgebot?" You know, you don't roll your R's in German. Um, the Reinheitsgebot. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I talked a little bit about that and uh, some of the um, uh, misconceptions that we have about that whole whole rule, law, whatever it is, edict. We'll say. And uh, yeah, it's just a fun episode. We go back and forth. It's really, um, you know, just it's really just us um, talking about beer and hanging out. And I hope that you find something just informational, fun, and just a good time out of this whole thing. So that's all for me for this little introduction. Please subscribe, Al the Brewer, on the Instagrams, on the Twitters, and now YouTube. Just search Al the Brewer. Please help me get to 100 um, subscribers so that I can get my own custom URL. I would really love to be able to get that. And yeah, thank you so very much. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate each and every one of you listening, downloading, and all that other good jazz. Cheers, everybody. Oh, 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 hold on. Before I do that, I've been recording some other things today, so I'm going to do this real quick right here. I am drinking, oh my goodness, uh, False Idol, their La Vida Mocha, and it is delicious. And I please check out uh, False Idol over in North Richland Hills. Such a good place. All right, buddy. Cheers. We're back. We're back. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right, everybody, welcome to the I Know Nothing About I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. It's good to be able to say the name of your podcast, right? How are we doing, everybody? I'm excited today. I have literally a lifelong friend on the other line, the Skype line right now. My buddy Russ, uh, aka as I know him, Russ the Verb, um, because please tell me, tell me, I was holding that for this because you are what was it again? Uh, people you say has all action and no words, so <laughs> I got called verb. <laughs> How are you when doing, man? When I was younger. Yeah, when, when, when we were when we were younger. Don't forget that's the we in that. <laughs> How are you doing, yeah. boss? 
Doing very well, all things considered. I can't complain. It is a, it is an odd time to be an adult, for sure. You know, with everything that's happening, I would say. Years ago, when you're, you know, maybe you wouldn't have to worry about finances, mortgage, maybe a little bit of time. Actually, survive with kids and mortgage, a little bit different. So, but we're doing well, all things. Good, 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 good. Yourself. I'm doing good. Um, I've had, uh, this will be no secret um, by the time this has come out, but um, I've had a big life change. I have quit my job. I um, was working for American Airlines, not anymore. Um, I'm now a full-time stay-at-home dad, and I'm going to be pursuing things here on this podcast, and I've got another project coming up that is still a little on the, on the, uh, still in the works, so I can't really share too much about it, but something that I'm really excited about as well. So, very cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. So here's the deal. You uh, sent me an Instagram, uh, a DM a while ago and said, hey, I've got this question about, I, for, I forget even what it was. I think it was about like Pliny the Elder or something like that. And it led into us talking for about 30, 45 minutes or more about just questions yep. you had about beer. And I was like, dude, this sounds like a podcast. We might as well record <laughs> so let's let's get you on the podcast and let's uh let's have some fun. Let's do this. So um you know, I want to get to those questions in a little bit, but um let everybody know um what is, you know, uh what is your who a little bit of who you are and then what is your own personal history into craft beer? Uh well, my name is Russ like Gary said. Uh I'm a plumber. Been plumbing for about 16, 17 years now. Mm-hmm. Um have a beautiful wife, two beautiful daughters, a nice house in Long Beach, and uh, uh, having fun, I guess. Uh, first introduction into craft beer right, would be you completely. You were working at a little wine place in Long Beach. Vinda Pays, man. music there is real. Vinda Pays, yes. Yeah. And I had just met my girlfriend, or my wife at the time, who was my girlfriend, and uh, we just started dating shortly before that, and... You invited us there, and we went. Your your sister was there. Josh Lowe was there, I believe. And uh, was was that for like Josh's wife's birthday or something like that? Maybe I don't know. I think okay, I I don't gotcha. believe so. Okay, but, but it was it could have been. It was just it was everybody hanging out. Yeah, and mm. before that point, I had never had an IPA before. I you know all my beer was mm-hmm. whatever you could buy at the liquor store, gas station, or grocery store, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you introduced me, said, try this, try this. And every glass tasted like a glass full of flowers. It was so, so <laughs> intense, all the flavors. Gotcha. But uh, had had a few too many that night for sure. And uh, didn't understand the alcohol percentage of uh, IPA. Gotcha. And uh, walked a little home, not walked walked home and uh, didn't feel too well afterwards. But it was a very enjoyable evening. It was interesting getting to learn a little more about beers. And my wife, Jennifer, had wine at the time. So. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But that was it. That was first time into craft beer or anything different. Gotcha. And that was like, I mean, that's when I was starting to get into craft beer. So that's that's over 10 years ago, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little lost on time, but. Yeah. And so did you, so have you been just like trying, you know, craft beer since then? Or have you been, it's been come and go in waves or. Is this just like something that you've just kind of come into a little more recently? 
more recently, but it, it would kind of come in waves. Um, definitely, you know, you'd start seeing more beers that were more. I wouldn't really search them out, but my wife enjoyed going to summer breweries, especially like a Stone Brewery mm. down in Escondido when they started that thing. I would, we would go down there to their beer garden, all of that, and that was that was a lot of fun. And they actually showed movies there on the grass and different yeah. stuff, which we never went to. We always talked about it, and never ended up going. But then you'd start seeing Stone at uh, different markets, and then trying different stuff from there and then you know i would say it didn't really get more into it until i was at a liquor store near lax getting beer after work hmm. and uh in the case i saw elsa gunder brewery bottle i never heard elsa gunder brewery before and that's my hometown is elsa gunder so i picked yep. one up and uh, started going through their beers and, and loved it gotcha gotcha i love elsa gunder man they they make some great stuff they've got their um what is it called? Uh, the co- the they've got one about Stone Cold Steve Austin that a lot of people love and and trade for. Um, oh. I know nothing about wrestling, so I just know he's a wrestler. I really don't care. I just go, okay, cool. It's a, it's a big big IPA, and I, they're I, that's not my favorite beer from them. Um, what's it called? Uh, they've got more than a few that are named after locations in El Segundo. So like, there's one Grand mm-hmm. Hill. Um, and there's a couple others that I like a little better, but Elsa de Gundo, man, they do some great beers. Yeah. 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 Very cool. And so what are you drinking tonight? Uh, well, you already plugged it. I uh, picked up a uh, stone cold, uh, or broken skull IPA from Elsa <laughs> broken Gundo. skull. That's what it is. I, okay. Yeah. I figured mm. he's from Texas, I believe. And he teamed up with Elsa Gundo. You're in Texas. So I figured it'd like, be a, a good matching. I've there got we, there some we go. others that I'll pick up, but all right. Um, I'm enjoying uh, Turning Point's Wildish Gambino right now. It's a good one. Hmm. Um, it's it's definitely, um, I think it could use just a little more carbonation. Um, but it's nice. It sat a long time. I think it was like 18 or 20 some odd months in uh, wine barrels. And I think it's just very good. I think they did a great job with the taste. I just think it needs just a little more carbonation. But no, this is really good. Um, so, okay. Uh, you sent me, and I just briefly looked over the list and I was like, okay, let me see what's, where's the one that I actually need to talk, like think about a little more. Um, so how about this? Why don't you pick one of your favorite questions out of all these ones that you sent? And we're just going to, we're going to, I'm going to shoot, shoot from the hip. We'll just go from there. Um, I'm not trying to be like, Oh, let me see if you could stump me. It's more of like, uh, I did this with another buddy of mine who had just gotten into craft beer and he just had questions and I was like, look, I would love to help out because it seems that you, this other guy, and my, my podcast really is meant to be about helping people get into craft beer. Um, and so I was like, all right, cool, let's do this. Let's just shoot some questions, have a good time, and see see where it goes. Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, first one, I guess, is the biggest one. Or may, this is, a, is an odd one, but uh, can you have too much beer knowledge, like, can you go too far down the road that, that you, I don't snob is the wrong word, but mm-hmm. where you've acquired certain tastes or, you know, maybe you had a beer that's not that great that you used to like. And now you've kind of find out about the process and the ingredients. And now you don't like it anymore. The example I pitched to you was the drink Yoohoo. I used to love Yoohoo as a kid, but once I kind of found out the ingredients and how it's made, I, I can't really enjoy what, another one. So what what's the ingredient in Yoohoo that I should not, I should be like weary of like what, what, I don't. I, that was new to me. I haven't. Yeah. Well, I. Uh, I don't know. I really don't want to badmouth the company on on air. Okay. Or TV, but uh, 
there's if you if you go through the ingredients there's some that aren't on the label online and uh it's it's pretty uh, frightening what's uh not so bad but you know uh, I don't know. Okay, it's, uh, it's uh, tough to drink. I will. Do, I will do a Google. Uh, I will do a Google search later on the mysteries of Yuhu and this conspiracies around Yuhu and mind <laughs> control. Um, <laughs> so um, here's what I here's what I think about that. I think that um, I don't think that it's you can learn so much about, and I, I think this is just more broadly of a subject. It's not that you can learn so much that you start to dislike things. I think that that as you um, as you taste more, smell more in the world of beer, as you learn more about the process of how beer is made, you get a better appreciation for what goes into a beer. And because you can start, because you start to learn all these things, um, if you're paying attention, um, and really wanting to pay attention to your beer, then you can start to find out, Oh, Hey, there's a, there's something off with this beer. I wonder what it is. It smells like this. I just had a beer and uh, I, I dumped it, but it, it had a little bit of, um, I was like, man, this thing smells like nail polish remover. And I was like, it's an acetyl, mm-hmm. and it's an uh, you know, acetone, like smell and taste. And so I think that you can pick that up blind, you know, you, blind meaning, you know, if I gave you that glass, you didn't know what it was, you'd go like, why did you serve me nail polish remover? Um, but <laughs> then going down that hole, of, well, why could it happen? Oh, it's because it's stressed out yeast. It's something that they do when, when there's too much alcohol and they're not ready for it or um, there's, uh, they've just been fermented too high. Um, you go down those rabbit holes and then you start to learn more about why things taste the way they do. And I don't say that there's a point where you like, I think it's your, your attitude towards what you're enjoying, you know, if it becomes a thing where you go like, Oh, they could, they should have done this with Oak. And now it's, it's piss, you know, it's piss water like that. I don't understand that. I do not get enjoy what you have in front of you. And if you don't like it, that's cool. Um, but don't, um, don't think about how it's more about like a, it's, I think it's almost like a heart issue. It's don't think about how much more, how much better it could be if you were in charge. It's more about enjoying what the person, the brewer made. Um, I've seen this, uh, when I worked at, um, at a different wine bar up in, uh, Agora Hills, Wades, where I had guys come in and they would just turn their nose up to a wine because it wasn't to their standard. And I was like, dude, just, you know what? It's it's a to me. I think it's a fun Syrah. If you don't like it, we'll try something else. No, it's okay. But this is so like it's just so flat. All right, that's cool. It's a flat wine, and I get that. Um, but I think it has some pepper to it. I think it's got this. And if that's not what it's, it's more of a heart issue, I think, than an information issue. Um, you're into cars. I remember you. Did you have a a, a Firebird for a while? Yeah, Firebird. Everybody okay. called it Fire Chicken. So. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, here's the deal. I think if I can relate it back, cause I'm looking at your screen you've got motorcycle helmets behind you. You've got a motorcycle, like a uh, little <laughs> dirt bike on the side. Okay. Um, I think it's, it's in the same way that you could, um, you could get in a car, you can get inside, you know, a vehicle and you could hear something is not quite right. And you go, Oh, I think I know how to fix that. Um, but if you're in like a like like in a, just a classic car, say like a you know a, a a 65 Mustang, you know, and it's loud, it's a huge engine, and you're like, oh, this this is so great, and you're cruising down the road, and then you hear just a little tick 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 tick. 
um, you're like, oh, you know, I think that that's some that's some type of binding somewhere that's just kind of hitting the side of the you know the interior. Um, you can either let that tick 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 like bug you, or you go, dude, I'm in a '65 Mustang hanging out and having a good time, you know. So I think that that's more of a comparison that I can give it to. Yeah. No, that's a great analogy. You should be a teacher for sure. It's a really good comparison. <laughs> All right. What else you got for me? But it's easy. I guess it's easy to. Uh, um, oh, no, no, okay. no. Please, please Along continue. Lines can, no, it's easy to what? Uh, oh, I forget what I was going to say now. So Okay. We'll bring that up later. Um, we'll move on to the next question. Uh, along those lines can. Okay. I had a, I had a coworker that was a long time ago. He was from Croatia and he refused to drink any beer that was from a can, he would only drink beer from a bottle. Mm, mm-hmm. Can beer in a can change the taste or the flavor or do the brewers have to do something different when they can it, or is it same beer? I mean, okay. So what you're getting into a really fun debate that has been going on since beer was in cans. So you have can bottle and keg, right? Okay. Those are the three ways. Generally we get beer can bottle keg. Now bottle is, I, I've hold on. <laughs> okay. Back when, okay, and is this buddy of yours the Croatian dude? Is he older or younger? Very old. Okay. I, okay. This is the, I was hoping very, you were gonna say that. Okay, because way back when, um they beer is really reactive to metals. Okay, so even when you make beer. Um, you have to have stainless steel. You cannot use, you have stainless steel or copper or um, even uh, copper or brass. If you use aluminum, it will impart a metallic, horrible taste. Now, cans, you know, generally beer cans are made out of aluminum. All right. So there's, um, uh, there's a lining that is put inside the beer cans. It's super thin. I mean, super, super thin. Um, and any, any major brewery that puts their beers into cans is go, or anybody that's putting their beers into cans, um, goes through quality controls to make sure that those can linings are in there, in their well. Now it's a spray on. There's a machine that literally sprays on this lining and just keeps it there. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a food safe, uh, it's, it's like a food safe barrier because aluminum's so much cheaper. It's so much lighter. Um, it's so much better at being a storage, you know, unit. All right. Now, the thing that can happen is if that uh, lining is broken or torn or uh, corroded somehow, then you can end up with a very bad tasting beer. Now, your buddy that's Croatian may remember the days when those linings were not as good. Even if he doesn't know that there was a lining in there, that the lines were as good. And you'll mm. still hear that, um, especially from old timers. Saying, no, I don't want, you know, my beer in a can. I always go for a glass. Glass, because it's so non-reactive, holds. You don't have to put any extra lining on the inside. As long as the glass is clean, you're good to go, you know. Um, And that bottle cap, you know, if it's done right, can stay on for for years and years and years. Same thing with a can, um, but there's more options for, um, what's it called? Um, Especially now that they've got smaller brewers doing canning. Um, there's so there's there's more chance for oxygen to get in, which causes oxidiza- oxidization, which causes skunky. You know, part of the reason why it tastes like cardboard and, and skunky beer. Um, so, 
I would say that today, that's generally not a problem, okay? If your friend is like, no, it just tastes different, then that's more of a mind game than not, all right? Um, My bet is that it did taste different when he was drinking it way back when because there were so many issues with linings and things like that, you know? And that, again, glass bottle, you don't have that issue. That's even why you see glass caps or uh, bottle caps. They have a, uh, a seal on the inside because the cap is metal, and then this way it doesn't react, you know? Um, okay. So you've got uh, less chance of that. Now, the thing about Canzo is that they don't let light penetrate, and as light penetrates through it, it reacts to the beer and causes skunky beer. That's why, you know, you don't really want like a six-pack of Corona that's been sitting out in the sun all day, you know? Beyond the fact that it's going to be hot and warm and it's not, not that good. Um, but light reacts with beer and can cause skunkiness. So that is one reason why there's so many people that have kind of tended to go away from glass because it has the breaking issue, it has the, the light issue, um, and it's just a little a little harder to move around than, than cans. Makes sense. It's interesting you say that because I have a now different mm-hmm. job. Uh, I have a young coworker. He's 26 and he, <clears throat> he's opposite, excuse me, <clears throat> end of the spectrum mm-hmm. and refuses to drink beer out of a bottle. He's what you said. He's always literally that beer in a bottle. It will hit sunlight if it's been on the back of a truck and it'll ruin it. So he prefers cans and it's yeah to me something that, and I never understood, so, but you explained it perfectly. Um, that is, and uh, yeah, that's the, the younger, quote, young, I'm going to say younger beer drinker, younger generation of beer drinkers, because the idea of these cool cans, cool artwork, um, get a crowler where you can fill it yourself and all these other things um, are all very new to the craft beer world. You know, a, a canning machine is not new to the beer world. A canning machine at a microbrewery, where they can fill you up like an individual four pack right there fresh is new to the industry. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really cool. People are really putting a lot of time into their artwork on the cans. It used to be a like, you know, it'd be like some funny or stupid label. And now people are trying to like get noticed because they know it goes on Instagram. So if they can come up with a really cool can label, like it really catches your eye. That's not just for the consumer there. It's for when that gets posted on Instagram and they hope that people notice. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a beer Instagram okay. out there. Like the beer Instagram community is big. Well, that kind of goes into one of the other questions I, I pitched you was about can labeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were talking, when I originally DM'd you about how to uh, the beers, I was on drinking several, I picked up several IPAs mm-hmm. and one IPA I had in the past and I really enjoyed that IPA, but after having these other IPAs, I didn't enjoy as much. And I felt like the other ones, even though they were fantastic, ruined my palate and the one I had before I didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, you suggested picking up several, starting with low alcohol volume, working your way up, more hoppier is going to be stronger, more, more alcohol is going to be stronger, and start with the lower one. Well, sometimes when I go to our local craft beer market, when I look for beers, it's hard to find, you know, if you're looking for Pilsners, it's hard to find Pilsners. You got to look at the cans and go all that. And is there, is the industry moving towards any specific labeling where you can look right away and there's a little acronym? It's, it's a Pilsner, it's a Stout, it's a IPA, or is, 
you know, sometimes look at the artwork is amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you'll have the beer and then you look at the artwork and it totally meshes with the, the beer itself. Yeah. But other times it's, it's hard to read all the fine print and find exactly what you're wanting. Um, I'll say that there's no, okay. So here's a fun difference between beer and wine. Um, wine has these really big regulations on it about naming because there are regions and countries that have said, hey, no, we want to have a handle on the same, like champagne, okay? Um, champagne mm -hmm. is not so much a style of wine, but a region in France that grows the champagne grapes that creates the champagne drink, okay? And so you're not allowed to call something champagne unless it comes from this region of France. Now, there is one exception to the rule in California, and that's it. So... Um, but that is champagne wanting to hold on to that name so that you know that anything that is sparkling has anything else that's sparkling has to be by a different name. Now, there are other sparkling wines, of course. There's a Cremant in like Alsace. Um, there's sparkling wines out in California and America um, at large. Um, but champagne wants to hold on to that name. They want that specific uh, title. Okay. We don't have that in beer. Um, beer generally does not have that. There was something that came up about lambics, and um, I think they're they're trying to get a naming structure down for lambics. Um, there is the Trappist uh, uh, title, and for that you have to be a uh, a a true Trappist monastery. All right, but um, that is mainly the producer of the beer, not the style of the beer, because there are Abbey beers in that same vein. So. The thing about beer is that it's, it's decided to be this Wild West, you know, um, which is great in the fact that it's so the constraints are so, so loose that the idea of an IPA can be stretched so far from how mm -hmm. I had an IPA originally, which was why does my glass taste like I'm getting smacked in the face with a pine cone in a pine forest, you know, um, to now, I taste IPAs, uh, New England IPAs, and I'm like, I, I feel like I'm drinking a pina colada here, you know, um, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing, but um, that uh, loose structure has allowed um, the, the genre to grow so much. Um, now, there are definite, uh, there are definitions for IPA, stout, um, you know, Pilsner and all that. Okay. Um, the, oh my goodness. Uh, the international, uh, the, the, IBGC, uh, the international beer judging, uh, ah, man, I'm, there's the, the beer style guide. That's what it is. Um, there is a beer, beer style guide and that, um, I'm looking, yeah. Um, International Beer Judging, IBJS, that's what it is. Um, International Beer Judging uh, Society has a guideline and they've got all the beer styles, regular, you know, um, defined and how they're brewed, how they should taste and things like that. Um, and that's generally just for if you're going to compete and you want to say, I want to be this. And then they know, okay, now I want to judge you off of these standards. But for consuming beer, um, there's very few regulations beyond the ones I mentioned earlier. 
So while it can suck for someone that like you, where you're like, I just really want to know, is this going to be like a lighter Pilsner or a heavier Pilsner? Or is this going to be like, is this IPA going to like wreck my palate? Or is this IPA going to like be like a good starter IPA? Um, and it's really hard to tell that, you know, uh, I wish I had a better answer, but no one's decided that there's like a, a sliding scale of like, you know, this will be a, an IPA that's like an in, like like a starter IPA. And then you have like a finisher IPA. Um, there's nothing mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. The, even the words like imperial on on so many, it, it, there's no real good definition of what imperial means. Even that. You know, I hear people say, oh, it just doubles the ingredients. No, it just doesn't double the ingredients because then that would, yeah, there's, you just can't just double ingredients and then make it imperial. Like it's, it can, you can do that, but that's not a good way to judge something imperial. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I just, there is a, I don't know, I found one, one brewery and they put, they put everything that they put right away. They put what it is. And on the back of the can, on the can they have uh, the hops they use, the mm-hmm. yeast they used. Yep. And all the, all the different things. It doesn't list all the ingredients, but it, it goes into you can. And I I think it was it was neat because you can have a beer and then you're starting to maybe have several others that have different yeast hops or whatever. And yep. it describes it, and you can start tasting it from a newbie standpoint. You know, I have no idea of all the names, different stuff, and you know, I'm not probably not going to take the time to actually Google stuff, but if I see them mm-hmm. pop up on a can it's like, Oh, okay. I can start tasting that or yeah. I can start tasting that or, yeah. or on a bottle. Yeah. Um, I, I will also say this. I have a feeling that because I've seen this more is that people are listening, like what hops they use, what yeast strain they use or things like that on their, on their cans. For me, I bet it's more so that people will stop asking the brewer. The brewer's like, no, put it on there. It's not a secret. <laughs> Because I'm getting tired of asking, like, I mean, what kind of hops did you put in this IPA? Like, like, look, they're all on there. And now hops are getting so well known as well that people are looking for certain hops. Um, like Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Galaxy is a great example because um, it's such a, a pineapple-y taste that uh, people will look and go like, oh, that has Galaxy. So now that I know it has Galaxy hops, I know a little more what to expect out of that taste. I see, I see. Yeah. So maybe doing a little extra Googling on the hops might help you out a little bit. Um, but right now, especially the, the breweries that are, that are posting those hops out are really doing that to show the type of tropical fruity hops that are being used. And not so much the, the, what were called the high alpha acid hops, the Tomahawk, the Chinook, the um, what's it called? Um, oh, uh, there, there, were so, there are a few others. Um, the Columbus that were super high alpha acid, super bittering and just like got more and more dank. And like, you know, you couldn't decide whether you're walking by a pot shop or like had like resin from a, a pine tree, um, getting poured over you. Makes sense. Yep. Um, so another one of the questions you want me to keep doing questions? Please do it. Do it. Do it. Something else. All right. I'm switching, I'm switching beers by the way. I yes. picked up several beers and, uh, uh, Oh, which, by the way, you – I was going to send you some beers we haven't yet, but I've got them packaged. You told me instructions on how to do it, and I didn't even think of it, but you mentioned uh, Ziplocking, bagging the beer. So I've got it here. I've got several of these in a bag ready to go. So whenever you're ready, we'll uh, ship them out to you. <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> Thank you for that. 
Please do. I just want to see your face. Ship me the Ziploc bags. Yes. 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 For people listening on the podcast, he just held up a Ziploc bag with brown liquid in it. I'm not going to ask where that brown liquid is from, but uh, you go ahead and ship that. Yeah. I'll just let you know. You go ahead and ship that. I'll let you know. Mm. So what are you drinking now? Okay. So... I was drinking uh, El Segundo Brewery, Stone Cold, mm-hmm. love their stuff. Broken Skull, they teamed yep. up with him. Anything they've made, I, I really enjoy. Um, Browery, Brewery West, Browery West, mm-hmm. uh, Dog Ate My Homework. The uh, I was at the beer market, and I told I think I told you the story. There was a distributor there, and he was talking to the owner, and once he was done, I started asking, hey, is there any beers I should try, recommend, anything mm-hmm. like that? And he started going through some. And then he even recommended some that he wasn't a shooter for, and one of them was this company, and he recommended this one. And me, personally, if I looked at the label, he mentioned Saison. Uh, Saison. Mm-hmm. Don't know how to pronounce it. But no you, one does. Don't worry always, about it, boss. You're good. Okay. You you speak highly of them, so mm-hmm. once I heard that, I never tried one, so picked one up. But if I had looked at the label myself, I wouldn't have got it. I mean, the the label says it's a Blackberry Ale, mm-hmm. and for me, I'm I'm more of a – I really enjoy something that's more sour or strong or, mm-hmm. you know, tastes like a beer or like yeah. a Guinness or so for me to go something blackberry, I'm thinking sweet and horrible, but it's, it's now my favorite beer. It's uh, really nice. There's man. So, every, every time you drink it, there's, there's tons of flavors that come out. And it's a really odd color. It's a, it's like a purple kind of color, but yeah, uh, it drinks, drinks really easy and it's really fun actually. So nice. And it, you said it's yeah. a Saison? They don't call it a saison on the can, but the distributor called it a saison. Okay. He said it, gotcha. he, and he said specifically they're not calling it. A, maybe I shouldn't say this, but they're not calling it a saison, but it's don't a worry. saison. So. Okay, gotcha. Don't worry about it, because if the if the brewery contacts me, I'll tack on this in. Don't worry, it's not a saison, everybody. Um, but I <laughs> I I highly doubt any brewery like Barry West is, is listening to me right now. And if you are. I'm sorry if you want to make it up and I, send me some beers and I will try them here and tell how great they are. More than happy to do that. Um, well, I've got two in Ziploc, so I'm going to send you some. Oh, awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, labeling is kind of interesting because you, it, it's, there's, there's so many, um, just like anything, it's advertising. So everybody's trying to catch your attention and, I really do feel like you t- kind of tend to lean to the the things that catch your eye and the style that catches your eye. So there's this uh, brewery called Clown Shoes. Um, I can't stand their, their, their labeling. It's just never caught me. Uh, their beer's good. I haven't, I haven't found one that I've been like in love with, but I've, I've not had like anything that's been like absolutely horrible from them. And I've just never cared for their, their advertising. And this is one of the reasons why I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, unless someone says like, oh, you should try this one from Cloud Shoes. I'm generally just, I'm like, eh, just because there's nothing, you know, I've not that I've not tried them, but just nothing about the label and things like that, that catches me. Um, like Jester King out here in, in, in Texas, they've had a couple bottles that I just, I just need to try that. Like there's one called Atrial where it's this giant like barrel with a raspberry on it. And I'm just like that, that speaks to me right there. Barrel raspberry done. Like I, I want to have that beer. Um, yeah. And so I think that that labeling is just, it's advertising all the way through and through. I mean, there's no other way around it. 
You know, you're either caught by it or you're not. And that, um, you know, um, there's some people that I'm very sure can't stand all the frou-frou labeling on all these IPAs and New England IPAs. And that's fine. Um, I mean, I'm drinking this, this, a beer called Wildish, Wildish Gambino. Okay. I get it. Like, I mm-hmm. love this labeling. And when I heard the name, I was like, oh, that's going to be cool. But I also knew that it was a, 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 <laughs> a wild ale aged in wine. And that's really why I bought that one. But I mean, it looks good too. Mm. All right. Let me see here. Okay. Let me see. I'm going to go to these little questions here. Okay. So the very first one, and I think we'll, we'll hit this one now. It's a good part for it. What, what is he beer prudy law? What is the beer purity law? The Reinheitsgebot. The Reinheitsgebot. Yeah. Okay. The Reinheitsgebot. Yeah. I'm I saying it wrong as well. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, Okay, let me let me pull. The, I I was did a little bit of research on this. So, um, people think people there's there's the general concept of it that it was a German purity law meant to make sure that beer was safe to drink. So there's only four ingredients: um, beer. I mean, sorry, water, uh, hops, barley, and yeast, which is like seventy five percent true. Okay. Um, and this is what I knew before the the whole uh, the little bit of research that I did. Um, for one, they didn't know what yeast was when this uh, Reinheitsgebot was made. Okay, so they it was only water, hops, and malt, um, barley actually. And so the the backstory to this is that um, Mr. Wilhelm the the fourth um, around fifteen sixteen decided that we're gonna make some laws about our beers, and. There's actually four parts to the Reinheitsgebot, and it was really meant to curtail prices, um, uh, price gouging, and to stabilize grain prices at the time. So what he decided... because so people were getting sick or something? I mean, that's... No. Yeah, no, it's not really. It's not. I mean, people were drinking beer because it was safer um, than water, for sure. Um, but really, um, the whole, like, what is it made out of? And I didn't know this part till I started looking up is only the third of the fourth edict in that whole law. Really the it's, it's about, Hey, um, prices are out of control. So here's what I'm going to do as the Duke of Bavaria. I, what I'm going to say is you can only use Bavarian grain. Okay. And guess what? we get to decide the, the Bavarian government gets to decide what we're going to charge, what you get to charge for it. And then it also says, and if we decide to change our mind, uh, we get to do that. And, uh, oh yeah, beer can only be made out of three things, <laughs> water, the grains that we, you know, are now going to, you know, tell you what the prices are going to be on and hops. So, you know, um, there's a lot more history behind it, but that's generally what it is. Now, what the law has become has to the drinker now 500 years past because the, the, or excuse me, three, wait, 500 years? Yeah, 15, 16. So the 500th year anniversary was a couple of years ago. Um, what it has become now is this kind of lore in here's what a beer purity means or here's what German beer is because it's from Bavaria. Uh, granted, this didn't, uh, this didn't um, uh, pertain to the other parts of Germania. Um, it was just Bavaria. Okay. So it now has become this bigger 
thing than what it actually was because, you know, 500 years, people telling the same story over and over, it's going to get changed a little bit. So now when you hear about people talk about Reinheitsgebot, um, it's generally a like, oh, it was meant to purify the beer, meant to be one, two, three, four things. And now that's all that German beer can be is this. And <laughs> yes, that, that that is partially true. Um, but, um, I remember looking at, there's a, there's a beer writer named, um, Michael Jackson. Okay. Um, he's long dead, but he was a great beer writer and he wrote these, um, this really cool book, uh, beers of the world, uh, or the Michael Jackson's guide to beer around the world. And I remember this seeing this picture of these three beers, Germany in Germany, and one was yellow, one was green and one was red. And what they had done was after the beer was made, they had added a raspberry syrup, a woodruff syrup, and a maple syrup to it. And I was like, whoa, okay, what, what about all this Reinheitsgebot thing? Apparently, it's only like when you make the beer and not afterwards. <laughs> so um, there's a, it's more about now it's become more about what we think German beer should be um, than what the law was actually made for. Does that make sense? Mm. Because also around yes. around every other part of Europe, they were like, "Screw that!" Like for one, like if you know if you're not in Bavaria, you're not gonna you know have to pay the prices that the the Duke decides. Um, but like you know, Belgium and France, um, Italy all have brewing traditions where they were like, "Meh, we're gonna do what we want." Yeah, <laughs> especially the Belgians, they loved having fun with beer. Mm -hmm. So, do they have competitions that are specific to that law? Like brewing competitions, there's, you know, um, so I don't know about in Europe how they how they if they have like a specific Reinhardtska vote competitions. Now, in America, there are um, like if you're going to make a pilsner, um, you have to specify if you're going outside of, you know, water, hops, malt, yeast, you know, and I think even then it's a separate category like adjunct pilsner. Um, um, like an American light lager um, is different from a standard lager because an American light lager, you're allowed to use rice or other things that are meant to make the beer lighter and drier. That's why like um, you think of like Japanese beers, um, they're very crisp and they're very light. And that's because they mm -hmm. use a lot of rice in their brewing process, you know? Um, a lot of the ways that uh, so oh, okay last Super Bowl they had that whole like no corn syrup in our beer, um, well that's <laughs> right because you use rice and rice extract which is the same exact thing it's sugar that's what it's meant to be, give to the the beer to the the wort so, um, yeah so um, even for American lagers and when you judge lagers and 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 beers that generally use that law. Not that, you know, well, I'm saying lagers because a lot of people think of German beers as lagers. But um, in general, it goes by style. Like, are you doing an, an amber ale? Great. Um, amber ales are allowed to have, uh, I think, a little bit of other, of uh, what we call them adjunct things outside of those four. And so in the brewing tradition and now in brewing, um, anything outside of those four things is called an adjunct, an, an extra something to the beer so some styles allow adjuncts some styles don't some styles are really dependent on adjuncts as well so if you have like a fruit beer or fruit sour beer it's dependent on those adjuncts and so no one's gonna you know count you off on them um but if you're making you know a a, a lager 
and you know you don't specify that there's going to be adjuncts in it you could get marked off because well you know you didn't spe- you know this style says no adjuncts so with all the popular cooking shows like on Netflix there's these competition chef shows is there mm-hmm. going to be in the near future like competition brewery shows or brewer shows there like, was where they film it over the course of a few months and then they <laughs> There was one, and I forget the name. There's been two actual beer shows that I, I enjoyed, and there was one with the the guy from Dogfish Head, and he was talking about like all the cool weird beers that he would make, and that was really fun. And then there was another one where like guys would get challenged to like make a beer really quickly, or like using like weird ingredients, and they would film it, and it's really hard to make filming beer like look fun because it's so boring if you don't like brewing you know it's literally you sit around and watch things heat up cool down heat up that's it like you know oh now we're gonna throw in the hops you can't throw in the hops like in a like a like a sexy way you know there's no like way to make it seem like tense throwing in the hops um yeah Yeah, but all the downtime you could add so much drama like orange county choppers or any like modern housewives for those shows or something yeah script so much humor you ah man that ah that just sounds bad (laughs) there is a show on netflix called brew brothers that i'm I'm working my way through and it's 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 meant to be it looks like it's meant to be ask you about that yeah it it looks like it's meant to be kind of like a fun poke at the the brewing community and there's like these strong like big examples of like the beer like snob and then the like the the dude that's just like i just love beer and i just want people to enjoy my beer and I like how they do that. Um, I think the show is not like, I think the show could be better, but it's, it's more just because they're playing the same tropes over and over again in the, in the episodes. So it's not like it's because it's about beer that it's bad. It's just like, ah, eh, the show's like just okay. Yeah. So are you, you're at least two episodes into it or? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more than two episodes in. I think I'm. Okay. Can I show it? Can I share an ad lib story? This is maybe please not a. I don't know if it's appropriate. Okay, so my dad was a bit of a drinker when I was a kid, and he used to drink hard liquor. And then he would drink. He would. His favorite beer was MGD. His favorite mm-hmm. NASCAR driver was Rusty Wallace, who you know drove the black and gold Miller Genuine Draft car. So my dad always had gold MGD beer in the fridge, but he would. He would have. Uh, he would have vodka in different places stashed around the house but he would drink 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 and as a kid i always wanted to stop drinking so my theory you know when Mm -hmm. i was 10 11 12 was maybe if his beer tasted really bad he would stop drinking so i used to go maybe one or two rows back Mm -hmm. in the fridge and take a few and fill them up with go in the bathroom and pee in them no oh my goodness that was my how did you get do you just twist the cat back on yeah, they're twist tops. They're not. They're not pop tops. So. <laughs> and he would he would plow through them, no problem. So. <laughs> no way. Yeah, you would I, just. I, I'm sure he's not listening to this, but Dad, if you are, you know. Uh, sorry, dude. Sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we we one time we one time my my sister and I, uh, my grandma. I mean, my my she's you know still with us, uh, but she was like packs a day, you know. Way back when, I think I think even you remember her as being a pack like packs a day smoker, and so one day I think it was like April Fools, <laughs> yes. we took a Cheeto and stuck it in. We we dumped out all the tobacco and put a Cheeto in there, <laughs> and then she was like smoking it, like trying to like this one won't light, 
why is this one not lighting? And she got so mad. And finally, <laughs> she like threw the cigarette down on the ground. She was so pissed off. We just like were cracking up at it. Yeah. <laughs> just to watch her try to light a Cheeto. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> no, I was watching that show the other day, the the show on Netflix. And mm-hmm. as soon as I saw that scene, it brought me right back and to yeah. my dad's beers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody, please check out Brew Brothers. Netflix, if you're listening, hey, I will sp- I will give you spots on Brew Brothers all day long. <laughs> just let you know. All right. Uh, give me something else. Uh, well, I got to pull on my notebook here. I wrote these things down because oh. I have no good on the spot. Oh, why a pint? Why no bigger, why smaller? When you go to a bar, why is it a pint? Oh, okay. That's, so here's the deal. Why not? And, okay, go ahead. Okay. Why a pint? Okay. No, no. Finish off the question. Oh, why is a why is a flight not a pint? You know, you were doing a you were doing an episode with. Mm-hmm. Uh, forgive me, I can't remember the name. I want to say a little pint. Little Elm. It was the Little Elm. Thank you. And Chase and Todd, I believe it yep. was. Yeah. Yeah. Chase and Todd. Um, Todd is not a fan of the flights. Okay, but with. If I was to pour a flight of mm-hmm. arrogant bastard, stone, stone arrogant bastard, mm-hmm. I would probably not enjoy it. But after a full pint of arrogant bastard, I really enjoy that beer. Mm. You know, it's once you start diving into it. So, but why? Why is it not bigger? Why is it not smaller when you go to a bar or any place? Why is the typical glass size a pint? Okay, so let's talk about. Before I do that, we're going to get into glass shape because we have what's called the pint. What we call the pint glass. Um, is stems from a beer glass called the non-nick, okay? And the non-nick is a British style of of pint, of glassware where it looks like a more cylindrical non-nick and it has this bulge about around the glass about a, a quarter inch from the – quarter inch to about a half inch from the, the top of the glass, okay? All the way around. Okay, so it looks like someone inflated a donut right before the edge. Okay, and it's called a non-nick so that if you bump over the glass, that bulge hits the table before the edge does. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you don't nick the the side of the glass. Okay, so that non-nick was traditionally 16 ounces, and that's where we get the pint from. Uh, It's a British pint. Mm. Okay, so... As pint glasses evolve, uh, the shaker, the the what we call a pint glass shaker, the shaker, you pop it on top of the the you know the the metal cylinder and you shake it the the, the thing up. Um, that becomes an easy way to serve beer because it's thick, it holds the colder beer a little better, and it doesn't break. And so you have now the shaker pint, which is now twelve ounces, and that cuts into America. And so you end up having literally two different styles, sizes of pint. The British pint glass, which is 16 ounces, or the American pint glass, which is 12 ounces. Okay? So it's not that there's not a bigger size. that we just decided on a smaller size to begin with. You know? Hmm. Now, I have – I don't remember this being an option in California as much, but here you can order a 32-ounce glass of beer. Like, there are places that will serve you, mm-hmm. like, oh, you want one of the, oh, it's a 22-ounce. You want one of the tall boys, a 22-ounce beers. And I'm like, no, I don't want 22 ounces of beers. I, I want to be able to survive the night. Like, that's not my, my spiel, <laughs> you know. Um, 
but um, in general, the that's a standard that has just kind of come about through the ages of drinking here in America in in recent history, not a uh, not so much a colonial history thing, but as the bar experience became more popular, um, as um, I think it actually has to do more with prohibition, and that than what the tradition of what a British pint was carrying over here in America. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Ken Burns' Prohibition documentary. It was on Netflix a while ago, but mm-hmm. really interesting. Really yes. love that. A lot of history I never knew. Yes, it was It was very interesting. You also have to be willing to... It, it can be... Um, uh, uh, if you're not interested in drinking history, you, oh, it could be a tough one. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is... If you're not... Ken Burns isn't known for his uh, brevity, we'll say. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. And then the other thing about flights, here's, what, here's why I, I get why people don't like flights, because you only get a little bit, okay? And mm-hmm. if you want to really experience a beer, a pint glass or like a full, like tall, like full serving, at least 10 ounces, um, is a really great way to really get to know the, the beer as it develops through the, you know, the drinking experience. The thing that I like about flights is that you do get that taste across the board. And for me, um, generally when I order a flight, um, it's about four to five glasses. And it comes out to be about uh, 16 ounces to 18 ounces total, you know. And so I generally like having a flight because it's about two beers worth. And I get to try four to six beers. Um, and it's not because I want to tick off how many beers can I try. It's more about I'm excited about what's on the menu. And I want to be able to try as many things that I'm excited about um, than sit with one beer. Because generally, if I'm going to sit with one beer, it's a beer I have either know well or it's a beer that I'm um, willing to give up the flight for. You know? Yeah. Busy. Yeah. It makes sense, but I really I really enjoy just diving into one. It's you know, Oh, absolutely. Much more even it even if it's a bad beer, the experience is I don't, I don't know. It's a much longer lasting much more bad beer. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another question. This one may be awkward because you've gotten to meet lots of breweries and you don't want to speak poorly of anybody, but mm-hmm. can you tell when a brewery is faking it when they're They've got a, a beer they're trying to promote or multiple beers or they're just everything they're coming out with is not up to par if there is a par. So, or are they trying to do something askew and you just don't know it, like Andy Kaufman kind of thing? Or is there is is there some type of story, standard that other breweries hold you to? Like are you just trying to be, for lack of a better term, and I don't want to say this, but hipster, or are you trying to just be out there promoting, trying to do sales and – jump on the bandwagon or mm-hmm. you know do other breweries call each other out sort of thing so as the plane flies over because you're definitely in long beach yeah. yeah sorry i am under long beach airport which is really badass when the the air force f-15s come over but when southwest is kind of like okay yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um okay so let me address the last part of that. Do breweries badmouth each other? You do find that. Um, it's not as common as um, – it's not very common. 
Um, but there, with any community, there's going to be drama. And, you know, beer drama is, I think, an extra level of funny because you're making fun of each other about beer generally. Or you're making, or people are just pissed off because of actual, like, human relations type of thing, you know? So is there drama in the beer world? Yes. Um, I think what you're more talking about is people following the trends or going out on a limb. Now, I think that any business needs to follow trends in some way, shape or form. You know, if people are liking, like, for example, right now, New England IPAs, if you're as a brewery not trying to make New England IPA, you're doing one of two things. Either A, you're saying, look, we just don't do that. That's just not us. And amen, if you're doing that, but that's not us. And that's not what we're going to do. Like Ennegrin over in California. Um, they're just not IPA dudes. They're not. They're not going to make an IPA. They've said that from the beginning, and they haven't, and they're doing great, you know, um, because to them, they go, look, every, you can get an IPA everywhere else, but you can't get um, like this certain type of Dunkel or this certain type of, of Keller beer or Hellas um, than any place else than like our brewery, you know. Um, so they're really into German beers. They really love experimenting and trying to make a really good German style beer. Okay. Um, you definitely mm-hmm. have other be- breweries and you're not seeing this as much um, because it's been done so much, but where they have what we call the the core four, you know, IPA, a, uh, a, a blonde ale, a stout, and then whatever the brewer actually likes to make. You know, like a red ale, or they really like, uh, you know, brown ales or something that they're like, oh, I made, a, I want a, a metal, a home brewing metal off of my scotch ale. So that's the other thing that we do. And that's not a bad thing either. Um, but if you're making a hazy IPA because everybody else is doing it, either A, I hope you really make a good hazy IPA that makes people want it. Or um, you make it so approachable that people go, oh, yeah, they have a good one and we're, we're good with it. You know, if you're trying to define yourself by being, uh, I'm going to make this next late greatest awesomest IPA. And if you don't like it, you don't know about beer. Um, then I think that's also an attitude towards the consumer that is that is that is off. Um, you know, uh, I think about. Uh, and I'm not calling out any any breweries in the area or anything like that, but when I've seen um, breweries like say, um, I think there's uh, who was it? Um, there was somebody that called theirs like our hazy one or like trend, you know, trend following the trend. Like I love that because they're like, mm-hmm. look, we're just following the trend. We're gonna have fun with it, and it comes with it comes at the beer with a sense of tongue-in-cheekness, you know? Not like, oh, this is a new, cool, this is our hazy beer. And you're like, okay, cool. How is it different from everybody else's? Now, you do have breweries that their whole thing is hazy beers. Like, like um, and I'm just a turning point. Um, they made a name for themselves based on their hazy beers. Um, and they're very good. And that's the thing about it. Like, everybody goes there because they know they make a great New England IPA. Um, and they're not so much trend following um, because they're not trying to um, make, they're not 
making hazy IPAs because they're the latest, greatest thing. They're making hazy IPAs because that's what they loved. And they're trying to um, continue that by making what the, the beers that they love. It just happens to be they love making hazy IPAs. Does that make sense? Are they more, yeah, are they more small menu? I mean, comparison like in and out you do something very simple, very well. Um, no, um, they actually make a lot of different hazy IPAs. Um, and they've got about three or four that kind of come back in and out about actually five or six that come in and out. Um, but, um, they're always trying something new and releasing something new. And that's part of their model. Um, and so since that's already built in that, um, it's, it's part of what you expect from them, you know? Um, there, there are other breweries out and around, like there's one, um, that, um, oh, I can't remember their name right now, but they don't, they own barely ever make the same beer twice. And you just know, like you better enjoy what you got here because it's not coming back again. Uh, division brewing. Um, you're just, you're just not going to see it again. And that's cool. And that's what really? you go in there knowing, you know? Um, but they have like 24 taps for a, a brewery for a microbrewery. And that's insane. It's it's really hard to keep twenty four taps going. Speaking mm-hmm. of taps, the the interview with the little elm and cleaning the taps is something I'd never the oh, talking dude. about the you know the, you, I forget the name of it, but it was like a sriracha beer or something or something mm-hmm. spicy, and talked about that you know going through the taps of the lines before and something I never considered as an novice just how much effort has to be put into cleaning what you got when you're switching beers and. To me, the the fun part of just starting a brewery, hey, you're serving beers, you're making people happy, and but to go into the whole, every piece has to be cleaned, and you yeah. know the the amount of effort into that is is something that never reached the back of my head, and I thought it was really interesting when they mentioned it. Oh, dude, it's insane um, to to clean lines and things like that. Um, and, and I think th- I think we touched on this, but they're what we they call we call a short draw line. Um, where the keg and the tap are, are close together. Now, granted, it's probably a good 15 feet worth of hosing, um, but that's still very, quote, close. Whereas if you go to a place, um, oh, I'm trying to think what's the place in Long Beach. It's a big bar, and it has like 80 or 100 taps or something like that. And what they do is they've got like what's called a long draw. So they have a basement um, that all the beer is in, and then you have to climb upstairs mm-hmm. to get up to the the serving floor. And it's maybe 50 to 60 plus feet of lining, you know, of hose that's got to go through. So that 50 or 60 feet holds beer sitting there, you know, if the beer isn't being sold well. So if the beer doesn't sell, yeah. it the beer gets stale. And so in oh. a 15 feet or, you know, 8 to 15 feet worth of beer, that's not a horrible thing. Um mm-hmm. But when you've got like 50, 60 feet, um, it can warm up. It can change temperatures back and forth, and then it causes skunky beer. And then you're just like, eh, that's no good. I've had more bad beer from more beer that has been poorly, where the line's been poorly cleaned in places that are really popular uh, because their beer lines are so long. And I, ha- I happen to go like, oh, that beer looks cool. Let me give that one a shot. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Well, do do breweries have to vet their their taps in the people who are pouring their beer? Because you could base a whole brewery off of one pour. I mean, you could 
you could base a whole country off your one interaction with a citizen of it. But I mean, if let's say, you know, this beer I had from Broward West, Mm -hmm. if I go to a tap room and I have one and it's a bad pour because of bad lines, Mm -hmm. next time I go to the market, I'm not picking up their beer because it was, it was skunky or funky or whatever, but do they have to vet them? Do they ensure the lines are clear? Like how does that, Excuse me. Um, if they're running through a distributor, the distributor would clean the lines. That's what we were talking about. Like why he doesn't. Own, no one owns oh, his his beer. His beer, his first ten taps or whatever, because he cleans them himself. And so, um, what you're then doing as a brewery selling to them is you're probably saying, "Hey, look, I need this to be clean," you know, um, and. You know, I think it also depends on how you're doing as a brewery. If you're like, I just need to sell cakes, just are you going to buy my cake? Yes. Okay, great. Um, if you're able, if you're able to be a little more picky and be like, hey, we need to make sure, like, when was the last time you cleaned this cake? Um, you know, it's not uncommon for a rep to just go, hey, how's it tasting, and just give it a sip, and just uh, rep meaning a, a a brewery rep, someone that represents the brewery that like is trying to sell the beer, to just give it a sip and go like, hey. You know, this ain't tasting good. We need that line clean. Or, hey, let me get a guy over here to clean this line now, you know? Because you, as a brewery, want your beer to taste the best coming to the consumer. Yeah. All right, boss. We got time for about one more question. Oh, sweet. Let's go through it. Uh, did you have any you wanted to, you wanted to hit? or? Um, you know what? No, I'm good. Like, Like, yeah, do it. Okay, 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 okay. Can't lose the ball. We got into that. Um, so Kim Burns documentary. I guess uh, mm-hmm. there was a segment where I guess farm workers used to come in for their morning breakfast, morning break, and you know, you mentioned that beer used to be safer than drinking water. Mm-hmm. Is there craft beers that are low alcohol? You know, most it seems like most of your craft beers are running four and a half to all the way up to eleven percent. But I mean, it seems like it's four and a half, seven percent. Is do people try and craft brew like three percent beers, two percent beers, anything like that, or is that just unheard of? No, that's not unheard of. Um, there are so you have okay, so let me let me start with what what we call session beers. Okay, session beers is this kind of quasi style, excuse me, where it's meant to be low alcohol beers that you can sit and have a session of them. You could sit and have do something, have a couple of these and be okay. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think there's a part of it that people like want to think that like they're good to drive after a couple of session beers where I'm like, look, if you're going to be just drinking, just get the Uber. Like, it doesn't matter. Just get the Uber, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, or you call something sessionable. Like it's very easy to drink and you can drink a few of them and not feel like you're, you've been slogged down by uh, like a, a full weight of carbs and alcohol. You know, um, and those generally when people try, uh, there's a big, uh, there was a big, uh, hype about session IPAs, IPAs that were like 4% or, or around there. Um, I really love ESBs and British style ales like pub ales, because I've had some amazing tasting British ales that were like 3.4%. And they were just so well done. And I was drinking it and I was going like, man, this is great. I'm looking at the ABV level like it's 3.4, 3.8%, which is so low 
but it tasted so good. So I think here in America, we associate low ABV with light beer, you know? If you take like a like a like a Budweiser, which is like four point five percent, you know, or Bud Light, which is like I think Bud Light's like four point two percent, somewhere around there, you know, we associate light ABV with like that crisp, clean, like almost nothing, almost close to water, you know. Um, it's the old making love in a canoe joke, you know. <laughs> haven't heard it. Yeah, tell me. You haven't like what's a Budweiser? Monty Python, I remember watching Monty Python live and they did this. You know, why is making love in a canoe and American beer the same? Why are they the same thing? You know, or how the two alike? Because they're both effing close to water. <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, oh, it's, it's great. Um, when most of the pub bales are like both, you know, are like lower ABV than a, than a Budweiser, but they taste so much better. Um, so... Session slash lower lower ABV beers, I think, get a bad rap in America because we've been trained to think that low ABV means crappy beer. Um, when it doesn't, right. it's just we don't really um, – it's that so much of craft beer is about, like, bucking the trend. So let's buck the trend even more about making higher alcohol beer. I can make a 12% that tastes like a, it's really light and easy to drink. And, you know, um, and then IPs just tend to be a heavier – beers which needs more alcohol so i think it all goes back to like um what what consumers want and as soon as consumers want something that's a little more lighter and sessionable you'll find it um i really love pilsners and lagers um for one they're a little cheaper to buy so i tend to buy a lot of those styles because you know um i can get a a, a six pack for you know a lot cheaper than a four pack of new england ipas you know, and not that I don't love getting a New England IPA here and there, but um, especially right now that I just quit my job, like, yeah, I'm drinking lighter beers. You know, <laughs> this one I got because I traded. So I had already had a beer. I was like, I don't like go. this beer. My buddy likes this beer. How about I give you this beer and you give me other beers? Yeah. 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 It's funny because I never enjoyed Pilsners mm. and then uh, Browery West. Brewery West, Brewery West, oh. I can't pronounce it. They make, uh, their staple is Pop Fuji, which is a Pilsner. Mm. And I tried that, and it's it's amazing. It's something they brew all the time, not just one time. But I'm really interested in trying other Pilsners just because of that beer. And mm. I guess that goes into another question of carbonation. The, the Pilsner, their, their Pilsner is very, very carbonated, where you have something else that's less carbonated is carbonation something that sorry there's airplane mm -hmm. uh that brewers think about ahead of time like how much carbonation is going to be in this what ingredients are going to use or do they just pump it in there i have a co-worker making the question long i have a co-worker that makes his own small batch brewer mm -hmm. and he says he will pump mm -hmm. carbonation in there rather than it, let it sit for a long time is that something brewers have to deal with or when you're making a specific so, beer do you have to think about carbonation so you just snuck in a last question a second last question so we're we're gonna do this one um <laughs> right, and then we're, you're we're, editing, so we're, we're you gonna can, we're gonna close it out um so carbonation is an uh, is a byproduct of the fermentation process okay so you add yeast into the malt the, the wort that big malt that tea made from all the the grains and they give off carbonation and alcohol. 
generally what brewers do is they let that carbonation out. So if you ever go to a brewery and you see a hose out of one of the, the fermentation tanks, they call them firm tanks, and you'll see this big hose yeah. and it's in like a five-gallon bucket and it's like splashing. That's the carbonation being let go. Uh, that's kind of like the it's kind of like the release, you know. Uh, think of it like a muffler, you know. Like like you know you you got the engine combustion engine the 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 exhaust has got to go somewhere, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. It's the exhaust pipe of the fermentation tank. Yeah, there you go. Um, so um, there are ways to capture that carbon dioxide and put it back into the beer later on okay it's just expensive to do um it's much cheaper to go out and buy more carbonation like literally a can of co2 and after the beer is fermenting stick those uh stick the the uh what's it called um the the fermented beer and you can do it a couple different ways but generally it's a hey here is the keg. Here is a carbonation tube. And you go and fill it up. And that's what you do. Um, as a home brewer, what I do is I have a tank um, and I fill the, once the beer is done fermenting, I have it and I put it into a keg. I attach a tube that's attached to my carbonate, you know, my CO2 tank. And I let it rip. And I can tell based on the pressure how much carbonation I'm giving it, you know. Now, some styles lend towards higher carbonation. Like, like Pilsner's tend towards a higher carbonated beer. Um, and then you have things like Stout's, which generally tends towards a lower carbonation beer. I love Saison's mm-hmm. um, because they literally are a bigger bubble. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a higher carbonation and it's literally a bigger bubble. And it, it, you could, it okay. just kind of scrubs the palate. Um, whereas things like Guinness use nitrogen, which is a finer bubble and it's a really small bubble. And so it gives you that really velvety mouthfeel, you know, so brewers can choose how much carbonation to put into their beer. And when something is over carbonated, you can tell because you pour it and then you end up with like an inch of beer and then like, you know, four inches of foam. And then you're like, what Uh is going on? You know? Um, so it's uh, carbonation's one of those things that brewers need, but is tricky to do because the, I've I've poured so many pints from. There, uh, I remember working at Wade's, and I just knew this one tap was going. It was like tap thirty, like eight or something like that, and I just knew that that tap had this one beer on it all the time. And it was just a foam can. Like you just pour, and it was a foam, like it was like a yogurt, like those frozen yogurt <laughs> things. You just see it swirling down at the bottom. And you would just fill up a pint glass of foam. And I was just like, oh, I hate this. And the owner would come by and he would stand by you, look at you. And so I'm, so I'm pouring the beer, looking straight at the tap, but his face is like directly at like a, a 90 degree angle at my face, going, stop wasting my effing beer. Stop wasting my effing beer. Stop wasting my effing beer. You just had to no, you just glass. let it open and it would be foam. It would be foam. And I'd look at him going, okay, I'll try not to waste your beer as foam is pouring out. Like, nothing I can do. Stop wasting my effing beer, Alan. Your customer is sitting like there. I'm going to have to wait, what, 30 minutes for this to settle? So there's tricks that you can do. Um, like if, if, if you know that someone's – if you know that one of them's going to be a foam cannon, 
then that's the first beer that you pour and then you just let it open and let the, the foam go and then get everybody else's beer at that yeah. table ready. And so that by the time that actually beer is pouring out, you can come by and like, you know, get the beer poured. So yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. You couldn't ask him, what do you want next? Like, let's pour this one. We're going to let it sit. What do you want? I, I, <laughs> I do not doubt there were times where I was like, that's a good beer, but you know what other beer is really good this one that pours perfectly. You know, <laughs> I didn't tell them that, but like, yeah. Yeah. Do manufacturers or do brewers ever ask for that type of feedback when you're at the tap? Do they ever come to you directly as a Generally, if, if something like that's happening, you, you're you complaining about it. You're telling the people like, look, I don't want to put this beer back on if it's going to be like this, you know? But, but I mean, obviously, you burned through lots of kegs and maybe only poured a few glasses because it was all foam or head or whatever. Um. <laughs> It depends. It really depends on like what kind of contract you have with people. And if, if you serving that beer gets you better beer later on. Yeah. It's contracts. It's that's all the fun business side of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Does the owner like a voice, does the owner interact with the brewer or do you go to the owner and say, look, something needs to change here or that, that all so much better or it all depends on the uh, situation. It all depends on the relationship that you have. If it, if the beer comes from a distributor, then you're just talking to the distributor and the distributor will get back to the brewer. If you've got that one-on-one relationship, you can make that happen with the brewer itself. And generally brewers are going to try, or I'll say owners and slash the sales reps are going to try to make you happy generally. So, all right, man. Whew. All right, dude. We got to get going here. Man, it has been so yeah, good I to have you on the podcast. Over and... Yeah, no, it, I, I don't mind going over, but I'm like, this, this is so fun, and I could probably do this for another two hours, but I need to, I need to call it. We're, we're, we're good. We're, this is, right. this yeah, is. If I have more beers, I'll have more questions. So, thank awesome. you, going. <laughs> Man, um, is there anything you would like to promote? Um, I know you're a plum- Are you working for yourself, or are you part of a team? No, I work for a public entity. Okay. Uh, fortunately, they treat us very well, and we've been uh, very blessed through this time. And uh, hopefully, awesome. that continues. But we'll see how things go. You know, during budgets, county, state, and all that. And, okay. Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, very fortunate that department can't complain. But, awesome. Uh, really enjoy the beer tonight. Elskinda Brewery, everything they make, I've really enjoyed. Hmm. Uh, Beer, Mayberry IPA, Double Hammer IPA. Uh, very, very hops. Uh, oriented but their beers are awesome uh Broward west brewery west their beers are amazing too um but uh really appreciate being on here and hanging out with you and uh drinking beer and again i told you this before but this is my first skype call first uh zoom you know Dude, video thing and so you are like the one person in the world that like, is this is a... still drinking beer i don't know what to do but this has been really fun so, Dude, very cool. Uh, seriously, you're the first person, like you're the one person out of all this, the, the Rona, that is like this is my first time like talking to someone else on a computer. Like everybody else is gonna go, yeah. like, are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is this is yeah the- technology. I'm I'm a little late. I'm more progressive than my wife technology wise, but at the same time, you know, I I drive two old trucks and you know we're we're rarely on anything. We do Instagram, Facebook, and all that, but. Yeah. Uh, 
we struggle with even Netflix. We struggle with remembering passwords, all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> well, everybody struggles with their passwords. I set up for like an hour just to, okay, I gotta, I gotta make sure I've got Skype on the computer. I've got to make sure my headset works. <laughs> yeah. I don't I got know you. what I'm doing. Gotcha. And, and okay. So, and I know you race, race, race dirt bikes, right? Or is that wrong? Kind of, sort of, yeah, yeah. We we race with a fun old group of guys. Most of them are former X racers and other stuff. It's called a group. Uh, the group I'm very familiar with is called Hell on Wheels MC Motorcycle Club. Uh, you can find them on Instagram, Hell on Wheels MC. But uh, they do rad, rad common man racing work. Work guy. Oh my, no, my daughter's running. You're all good. You're all good, man. Kid. But uh, yeah, we just we just race for fun. It started with pull starts, mini bikes, and then we we decided that we want to get some. Or we, I say I. It's really me. Want to get some bigger bikes and do some <laughs> more stuff, and so we've been doing that and going gotcha. down the road. But uh, the more we do, the faster we get. The more likely I'm going to get it to get hurt, and so we may be doing less of it, I guess. <laughs> but gotcha, we'll gotcha. See. And and for those of you listening, Russ's daughter, one of Russ's daughters, just just got on the line and yeah. is, uh, I think she's just finishing eating something, so, yeah. Yeah, she's got some, uh, she got some cookie there that's mashed up in a cookie that's uh, Ooh, devouring. That sounds good. I yeah. <laughs> All my right, man. My wife is letting me know that I've expired my time. So <laughs> she set up the, the wife is sitting in the kids. You're done talking beer. <laughs> all right boss dude it was so good catching up with you thank you so much for coming on this i really appreciate you um you know um everybody else thank you so much for tuning in and uh russ cheers cheers thank you alan yep